The Breakdown Politics with Mercer Prescott and his band of eclectic cronies telling you what you need to know regarding politics breaking it down politics and welcome to another episode of politics where this will only give you a glimpse of the madness going on in politics because let me assure you, there is so much shit going on right now that it is totally blowing my mind. But I'm going to let Merck take over to blow your mind even more. What's up, what's up? How's everybody doing tonight? So, uh, got a lot of stuff to cover, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Uh, we, didn't, you know, we didn't do our show Saturday, so I might sneak some social stuff in there, but I'll maybe try and keep it toward uh, politics. But um, here's something non-political. Uh, Melania Trump had a surgery today, and it wasn't anything serious. It was on her kidney, but it wasn't anything serious. It was a, a kidney ailment, but they said it required medical attention. So she had the surgery today, and she's doing fine. She was at Walter Reed, I think, and she's doing fine. And normally this wouldn't, do, this wouldn't even be on my radar. And I'm going to do it Melania herself. She's in the clear for this. I mean, you know. It's, you know, it's the people around her that piss me off. Because when you're in the Trump administration, everything you do is shit. Everything you do hurts people. So they have to take little things and try and make it sound amazing in order to get people on their side, right? So Melania had the, had the kidney surgery today, right? So they couldn't just say... Uh, Oh, yeah, Melania had the kidney surgery where she's going to be fine and she'll be back on her feet in no time. They had to say, oh, Melania had the surgery, she'll be back on her feet and, and um, serving the children of America in no time. And I was like, what the hell did he just say? I didn't know Melania was a, pedi- was a pediatrician. You know, Melania doesn't really do shit. Here's my thing about first ladies. I really don't like the pressure on them to do shit. You know, if, if you're the CEO's wife, you're not expected to, like, run the books. You know what I mean? You're not expected to do anything. You're just expected to just be the CEO's wife. You know, so this whole thing about first ladies under that pressure to just do stuff. Like, if you, I mean, like Laura Bush, uh, the other Bush's wife, I have no clue what she does well, what she did or her programs or anything like that. And you know what? It doesn't matter because she's the first lady. You understand? So this whole pressure to have Melania be useful is ridiculous because the first lady is just basically just the wife of the president. You don't have to have a, you don't have to be a community planner. You don't have to do any of that stuff. So the fact that they're just shoving that thing in there to just be like, oh, you know, she should be back Serving the children of America in no time. I'm like, doing what? Her anti-bullying campaign? If she wanted to really be an anti-bullying campaign, she should just divorce Donald Trump because he's the biggest online bully of all. So, you know, but it's, it's the little attempts to just make the little, the, to make little things bigger. Like, for instance, the whole fact that Melania speaks five languages. Because here's, here's the thing, right? 
But I remember the whole thing with, with Melania plagiarizing Michelle Obama, right? I'm pretty sure she didn't do that on her own, okay? Not trying to give Melania a pass. Because I'm pretty sure Melania wasn't studying up on Michelle Obama's speeches like that, you know. But, uh, you know, people write speeches for her, you know. I don't, I don't think any president writes their own speeches. I think all the presidents have speech writers. But they still have to approve it. But I'm pretty sure Obama's not fact-checking speeches. He's got people for that. Same thing with uh, Trump, same thing with Bush, same thing with Reagan, you know. But after that whole thing about Melania plagiarizing, in a, you know, like I said, the speech being plagiarized, right, there's been this whole thing about, oh, um, Melania's smart. She's smart, too. And here's the thing about that. Maybe she is. I mean, granted, she dropped out of college. Michelle Obama is a, is a lawyer, you know. So there's really not that much of a comparison. But, you know, the whole big thing that the, uh, the trolls online say, well, Melania speaks five languages. Now, here's my thing. I don't normally look at Facebook for – not Facebook, I'm sorry, uh, YouTube for guidance because YouTube is a big contributor to one of the things I'm going to talk about in a second. But I saw a video that was kind of interesting to me. And it was a video from a guy who was exploring the whole thing. Doesn't Melania really speak five languages? Now, this guy, he was American, but he spoke, he spoke fluent uh, French. So he made a point. So I guess when they were in France, Melania visited some place where there were a bunch of kids. I don't know if it was an orphanage or a school or what have you. And she was talking with the kids in French, right? The point the guy was making was that uh, – they say Melania speaks five languages, but the question is, does she speak those five languages fluently? They don't know, you know. So the French she was speaking with the kids is basically the French she would be speaking with a, you know, like um, like if you were just learning French, you know. So it wasn't conversational French. And the guy made a point. He said, if you're on the world stage and you want to show that you really speak this language, you won't just say in French, of course, I don't speak French, but she wouldn't just say, hi, my name is Melania, you know, stuff like that. They would just be, you know, showing off a bit. You know, how are you? Yeah, and, and they would just go off, and she wasn't really doing that, you know. So, and my thing is, normally, it would just be like, who cares? I don't really care how much French Melania speaks. It's, so it's not really Melania's fault. It's the people around her trying to build her up to be, I'm not going to say something she's not, but because your administration is so horrible. On Sam Cedar, they were talking about that because they were just saying, hey, look, um, Donald Trump is a monster. So it's not like Obama who has an embarrassment of riches of uh, – Clips of him being a human being, you know, of him, you know, getting dressed in the rain while making sure that a couple of his coworkers don't get wet coming off of Air Force One, you know, or him, you know, uh, reading the kids and stuff like that. Like he just has, and Obama does it so naturally because he's because he's a human being as opposed to Trump, you know. So they have to just make this stuff up, and it's absolutely sickening, and it's making Melania look bad. And it's not really her fault because she just has to go with the flow because she's first lady, you know. But, I mean, Melania, a lot of people don't feel sorry for her because they consider her problems to be first world problems, you know. 
it's not fair to call it white people problems. We'll just say first world problems. Because uh, we'll put it like this, you know. Last couple of weeks have been really bad for black folks, you know. Because it just seems that black folks can't seem to do anything without having the cops called on them, you know. So you figure, oh, I gotta go to Starbucks and wait for my friends. Nope, call the cops on you. Oh, I'm going to Waffle House. Oh, I need a plastic fork. Cops just pretty much strip you naked while they arrest you. Oh, uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm, I go to this college that costs sixty thousand dollars a year. Talk about Yale. I'm doing a paper. I'll just take a quick nap. Call cops on you. Oh, I'm going to the gym and bring my friend on a guest membership. Call cops on you. Oh, I'm going to just barbecue out here on this really nice day in this park. Call cops on you. Oh, I'm going to play some golf with my friends. Call cops on you. Oh, I'm going to rent this Airbnb. Call the fucking cops on you. You have to realize something. Calling the cops on black people is basically like calling assassins on black people. Okay? Because these cops are not... I saw a meme today that made a lot of sense. And it was like, you know, when cops say... Uh, oh, I thought he had something in his hand that was a gun. That's, that's bullshit because cops are around guns all the time. Cops know what guns look like. Cops shoot black people because they can get away with it. I have to say I have to agree with that because I'm pretty sure that somebody who's trained to use firearms, trained to clean firearms and, you know, put together and all that other stuff, they would know the difference between a cell phone and a gun. Now, unless you have one of those goofy NRA cell phones that shoot guns. They actually showed that on one of those clips. Somebody had a, a, a cell phone, and it turned into a two-shot pistol. And I was just like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Why would you want that? You're just asking to get, well, if you're black, you're asking to get killed. Yeah. I, I, I hate to be like that. Yeah. And people just think, well, it's not because they're black. It's because, you know, they're being criminals. Put it like this. You remember a few years back, Blue, when Oprah Winfrey was in Switzerland and they wouldn't let her buy that handbag? So she's in this boutique in, in Switzerland, right? And she didn't go with her entourage. She went by herself. And she wanted to look at a handbag that was behind the counter. The handbag cost like $38,000. But she's Oprah goddamn Winfrey, okay? She's a multi-billionaire. And the woman behind the counter wouldn't give her the handbag to let her look at it. Because maybe she thought Oprah was going to take the bag and run away. <laughs> she kept trying to steer Oprah toward less expensive bags. And Oprah kept asking, no, I'd like to see that bag, please. And three times she asked the woman for the bag, and the woman wouldn't let her see the bag. And finally she was like, whatever, and just walked out. Like, you don't know. I mean, I know you're in Switzerland, but don't act like you all know who Oprah Winfrey is. Oprah Winfrey can buy your entire bloodline with the money she has in her wallet. She can afford a $38,000 handbag for the love of Jesus. Yeah. But at least Oprah has a head. What that whole scenario is, why would she want to? $38,000 bag. I'll put it like this. If you are worth like three or $4 billion, if you want to buy a $38,000 handbag, I'm not going to get mad at you. If you're a black kid who works at the Waffle House and you want to buy an $800 Gucci belt, I'd beat you with that belt. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Yeah, if you want to buy a $160,000 car and you're a billionaire, you can buy a $160,000 car. I'm not going to be mad at you because you could easily afford it. You know, if you buy a Rolls Royce, 
and you live at home with your moms because you can't afford an apartment because you're making Rolls Royce payments, that is not something I made up. That isn't that actually is somebody who actually owns a Rolls Royce but lives at home with his mom because he's making Rolls Royce payments. That's stupid. So yeah, don't get me wrong, Blue. A thirty-eight thousand dollars handbag. Why. He's helping his mom out. He's helping her with her her house payment, and she she's an elderly lady, and she wants to he wants to help her and make sure she's safe because she's a fall risk, and sometimes she falls down. He's a good son. You know what help her, you know what help his mom even more if he bought a Honda Civic and didn't buy a goddamn Rolls Royce. <laughs> yeah. Not making those extra payments would, would really help his mom out, buy some groceries. <laughs> you know? But the thing is, you know, when you hear about all these police shootings, right, especially African Americans, you know, they ran, they, you know, uh, God, there's so many, so many of them that get them all mixed up. But the guy who they shot in his backyard, um, first of all, he didn't even do the crime. Second of all, they just, they, like I said before, they, they thought his cell phone was, a, they, like, they changed their story so many times. First, they thought he had a crowbar. Then it was a cell phone. After they shot him, they were just like, all right, well, we want to come help you, but we want to make sure that you're, you know, like, dude, you shot him 20 times. He's bleeding mostly in the back. What was it? Uh, how many times did they shoot him, Blue? Like, eight or nine times? And most of the shots were in his back. I want to say eight, six in the back, two in the front. Yep. So it was just like, if you call cops on black people, there's a chance that those black people are going to get shot. And I think that some people, I think they know that. I know I, I sound crazy, but I think they know that sometimes. Because why would you just call the cops on black people for just doing normal everyday stuff that if other people were doing, you would never call the cops on them? So if, if a white woman, if in, that, in that whole thing at Yale, because a woman who they called the, the cops on, she was a graduate student, right? She pays 60 grand a year to go to Yale. So she's writing a thesis, and she took a nap in a, in a common room, right? You think if that, if that bitch saw a white woman sleeping in that room, you think she would have called the cops? No, she wouldn't have called the cops. And I know, I know you're like, uh, how do I know that, you know? It's, I just know. I know that's not a good answer, but, I mean, honestly, you know, it's, it's almost a death sentence to call the cops on black people, and I think some people actually know that. The Airbnb folks, I've been trying to, to find out something extra. I think they said, I don't know if that was just something that uh, Somebody said, just to be funny, but I think they said one of, the, one of the girls in that whole Airbnb thing in California, that one of them was Bob Marley's granddaughter. And I was just like, I don't think Bob Marley's granddaughter would be an Airbnb. <laughs> I think she could afford a nice hotel room. But there was four of them, right? One of the ladies was white in that group, but we didn't know that because when the woman called the cops, she only mentioned the three black women. She didn't mention that there was a white woman with them. So when the cops showed up, they were like, uh, I forget how many cop cars they said showed up. But it was a lot of cop cars for just some women with luggage. And the cops immediately told them, like, put your hands in the air. Didn't even ask and say, hey, you know, I heard a call, anything like that. Soon they sort of like, put your hands in the air. You know. There was the one kid at the Waffle House who got beat up by the cop. And the cop had a history of brutality. 
So the way this, the way that story went, the kid uh, he had, he he had took his sister to the prom, right? So he was up in, in his prom gear, and they went to the Waffle House afterwards, and uh, he got into an altercation with a server, right? So even the kid admits, yeah, I got a little too mouthy with the server. You know, I, got, I, I overreacted to whatever it is that happened. But it was a big jump from, hey, I, I mouthed off to the server to a cop choking a, a teenager and throwing him to the ground. Big jump. You know, because cops just don't, you know, they treat citizens like enemies. And I know I say this over and over and over again every week, but I get a lot of pushback from some people because they're just like, you know, why are you acting like only white people are the problem? You know, and I'm just like, uh, because in these specific cases, (laughs) white people are the problem in these cases. Because it's not like, you know, I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to explain it, Blue. But it's just it's just got to stop, you know. The Airbnb thing pissed me off because the lady who said that uh, that they should have had manners was actually the host of the Airbnb. So it was an elderly lady who was the one who called the cops on on the girls, and one of them joked. And when they saw the woman, you know, at, at her window staring at them, she said. I bet she don't call cops on us. <laughs> and like 10 minutes later, the cops were there. You know. So. But something's got to be done. And somebody said that, uh, you know, like if you have a, a medic alert bracelet, right? Or if you have uh, some sort of alarm system that calls the cops. What does everybody want to do? They want to test it out. You know, so if you have a medic alert bracelet and you just kind of just activate just to see how fast the cops will show up. They charge you for that. So I think it's like a fifty or a hundred dollar charge for like false alarms or something like that. They should they should start doing that to these people. If a cop shows up and there's no real danger, like if a cop calls you to a golf course because people are golfing too slow, that should just be a thousand dollars that you owe for wasting cops' time. But 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 no, let's go back a little bit further though. The dispatchers yep. should be able to assess the calls a little bit better to not send the cops to waste their time. Well, I mean, what I would like to hear what that 911 call sounded like. There's some people here barbecuing, and there's no barbecuing here. Why would that even need the acknowledgement of a cop? When no. I can point you to one project right here in Durham that right. I promise you, within 100 feet of you, there's probably 25 drug transactions going on. Carry your ass to McDougal and stop fucking with us. Yeah. I agree with you on that. I, I, I will say this. There was one time where I called a cop on a, on a white guy, but it wasn't because I lived, this is where I lived by Rex Hospital, right? And there was another apartment complex, like literally like, we were like, that, like the Mason Dixon line of that apartment. So it was a lot of, it was uh, a lot of uh, ethnic folks. And it was also a lot of college kids, right? So, um, they, they were partying and well, stuff like that. Goes, he was a white guy in an ethnic neighborhood, and he just looked like he wasn't up to no good. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, actually, uh, you know, I, I always do my laundry early. So it had to be like uh, 6.30 in the morning. I pop out of my apartment, and he was coming up uh, from the other apartment complex, and I almost knocked him over with my laundry basket because I didn't see him because there's never anybody out at that time in the morning. Right, and this dude was wasted. I mean, his eyes were bleary and red. He, was, he had a skateboard, 
but he was lost. And he was trying to find his way back to where the party was. And I was like, and I was trying to talk to him for a little bit. And then the dude smelled like weed and booze. And cause he didn't even partying all night. And he, he, he said he was trying to go to the store. And he got lost, which is easy to figure since he's been drinking and smoking all night. And then he wandered off, and I called the cops. But here's the thing, Blue. There's a, a non-emergency number. So there's 911 for emergencies. And if you, if you look it up, there's a number you can call. It's just a regular 10-digit uh, number that you can call for non-emergency. So if, if people are partying too loud or something like that, you can call that number so they know it's not an emergency. So I called the, the non-emergency number, and I told them what's going on. And I'm like, look. And I explained to the people, to the dispatch. I'm like, look. I mean, this dude ain't hurt nobody, but he's, you know, he's intoxicated. He's just walking around places, and I don't want to knock on the wrong door and get hurt, you know. So maybe, maybe you just want to come by and just scoop him up and help him out. And that was pretty much the call, you know. But there's a non-emergency number, so I don't know if these areas have non-emergency numbers, but Raleigh has a non-emergency number. So if something is not an emergency, this way they know, okay. I've been around the world, and I, I have never been <laughs> to a place that didn't have a non-emergency number. Because I, I, I rarely ever have to call the cops, you know. So I just kind of looked it up, and I was like, oh, there's a non-emergency number. Oh, okay, I'll just do that because it's not an emergency. <laughs> it's just some, some doofus walking around who got, who got wasted and got lost because he's trying to go to the store. So... But um, sloppy segue here. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rehash an old story, so I want you to forgive me. And there's a reason for this. Okay, uh, I'll tell the abridged version. Yeah, also, because I found out a little bit something new in doing the, in doing the research. John McCain. You know, this is not really just about him. You know, dying. It's about when he ran for president, right? John McCain's citizenship came under question because he was born on a military base in the Panama Canal. He wasn't born on U.S. soil. So I know what some of you are probably thinking, and the same thing that I thought at first was like, hey, he was born on a military base as U.S. soil, right? Wrong. A U.S. base is not considered to be U.S. soil. A U.S. embassy is considered to be U.S. soil. But for the purposes of birth, a military base is not U.S. soil. So his citizenship came under question, and they found uh, an old law that they had put on the books back in the, you know, back around the time of his birth that stated that people who were born in that Panama Canal at that time, I, I think it was a U.S. territory at the time, would be considered to be U.S. citizens. So they were satisfied, and then they said, all right, McCain, you can run for president. Okay, John McCain is a war hero, served the Vietnam War, POW, captured all that stuff. And they still use that level of scrutiny when vetting John McCain from the run for president. Whoa, 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 whoa. How is he a war hero when he got caught? <laughs> you know how he got captured? Because unlike Donald Trump, he was actually in the war. His bone spurs weren't acting up. <laughs> But the reason why I mention this because I came yeah, across an article. Never had bone spurs. These things really hurt, buddy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do. I, I I used to think that turf toe was a bullshit injury until I found out what turf toe really was. Is basically when the bone in your big toe uh, just points straight up. 
and for some reason I was thinking about grabbing in the pussy and I was thinking of a camel toe. <laughs> so, but um, I, I'll just say before I go on, whoever invented AstroTurf is horrible because that, that injury, the turf toe, it's an AstroTurf injury. You get it from running on AstroTurf. And AstroTurf is basically has the same uh, give as your living room carpet. So uh, whoever thought that 230-pound linebackers crashed into each other and landing on AstroTurf was a good idea to save some money because they didn't want to cut the grass, they're assholes, just straight assholes. But the reason why I bring up the thing about McCain and his citizenship again is because I came across an article in my feed, and even though it was an article was from December of last year, that's only five months ago, the article states that uh, in a YouGov, uh, yougov.com poll, they found that uh, 51% of Republicans still believe that Obama is not a U.S. citizen. So, so Obama's been president for eight years. We're a year and a half into Trump's uh, presidency, and these people still believe that Donald Trump, I mean, that, um, that Barack Obama is not a citizen. So like I said, if they scrutinize McCain to the point where they even question his, his citizenship because of where he was born, don't you think they gave Obama that same scrutiny? So here's the thing, right? It, 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 I'm just going to come right out and say it, right? I'm not even going to mince words. If you still believe at this point in time that Obama is not a citizen, Okay? You were either a racist or you're a fucking dumbass. Maybe both. Probably both. Because okay? here's the thing. To be, to be fair, they asked in the poll, they said, um, they asked them if the following statement is true. Barack Obama was born in Kenya. And their options were definitely true, probably not true, probably true, and definitely not true. Okay. So 16% of uh, Republicans believe this statement to be true. And 35% thought it was probably true. So that's 51% of people thinking that Obama wasn't born in the country. With, with um, 16% of them saying beyond a shadow of a doubt that he wasn't born in this country. 16%. 51% overall. It's, it's basically... It's just a Republican love of anti-intellectualism. You know, they only trust people and trust things when, when, it, when it agrees with them. If it doesn't agree with them, they find a way to break it down. You know, and, and that type of anti-intellectualism is absolutely dangerous. And you have people like uh, Tommy Lauren or uh, Candace Owens who keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. And people just keep lapping it up. Tommy Lauren, uh, funny enough, her name came up in the news. I try not to listen to Tommy Lauren because I think she's just a windbag. I really do. I, I think she's just a little blonde automaton who basically just figured out she could make money off of conservatism, right? She's worth like $3 million from just being a racist. So here is something that uh, she wrote for Fox News. Uh, this is from Tommy Lauren. Being a racist, she's worth three million. I need to get up on that tip. 
<laughs> it won't work for us, Blue. <laughs> it doesn't work for us. Well, actually, I'll talk about that in a second. It doesn't work for us for certain reasons, but it does work for some others. You know? So you figure Tommy Lauren wrote, uh, she's on her whole, her whole anti-immigrant kick. You don't just come into this country with low skills, low education, not understanding the language, and come into our country because someone says it makes them feel nice. That's, that's not what this country is based on. And somebody wrote her back, somebody named Walter Schaub. I don't know exactly who that is, but he has a blue check next to his name. So, But he says, uh, and this is on Twitter, he says, I trade xenophobic, uh, xenophobic rage Barbie for a hardworking immigrant any day of the week and twice on Sundays, contributing less than nothing to this country. Tommy Lauren exists only to make lazy white supremacists with low skills, low education, and barely, under this, barely understand the language feel nice. Burn. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm a pundit, you know. Uh, but I try to be, uh, I try to be positive. You know, I, I, I have my, my diatribes against certain people in power, you know, but for the most part, I would rather see everybody get along. Tommy Lauren doesn't want to see everybody get along because it makes her money, right? But here's the thing, the reason why I bring her up, right? Um, a genealogist decided, who was pissed at Tommy Lauren for her dumbass comments, decided to dig into her family tree. And he found some very interesting things about Tommy Lawrence's family, right? So um, the guy's name is Mendelssohn, right, who, who looked into uh, her, 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 her family tree. He found out that Tommy Lawrence's uh, great-grandmother, one of them, had been here for 41 years in the country and still spoke uh, German, Right. Another one had been in the country for 10 years, spoke no English, right? And then her great-grandfather, uh, his baptism records were recorded in, in Norwegian, which means he didn't speak the language. So everybody is from someplace else if you go back far enough. So even if you go all the way back to Plymouth Rock, you're still from someplace else. Because you weren't, unless you're a Native American, you weren't born here. My parents are immigrants from the West Indies, you know? And it's basically immigrants make this country run. It's just the way it is. And, um, oh, one of, oh, and here, here's the funny part. Uh, her great-grandfather, uh, actually her great-great-grandfather was indicted by a grand jury for forging oh. naturalization papers. <laughs> now, in his defense, he was later acquitted, <laughs> but he was suspected of forging his naturalization papers. You know, it, it's it's basically uh, it's ridiculous that people forget that if you go far enough back in their family tree that they are that they were immigrants at one point. You know that they are the sons and daughters of immigrants. So they may be a few generations removed, but they are the sons and daughters of immigrants. And, and that whole attitude of, well, I made it, so let me, just, let me just burn this rope bridge. Let me just kick over this ladder and make sure that you can't come through either is bullshit. Ted Cruz is the most disgusting 
uh, part of that. Ted Cruz is basically from Canada. He emigrated to the United States. He basically was allowed to run for president because his mother was a U.S. is a, is a U.S. citizen. His father, of course, is Cuban. Now, here's the thing: when even let's just say, for argument's sake, let's just say Obama was born in Kenya, right? It wouldn't matter because his mother is an American citizen. That's the same thing that happened to Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz's mother is an American citizen. So all you have to do is fill out, fill out a couple of forms, and bam, Ted has dual citizenship. But when they mentioned that on Fox News about Ted's citizenship, the questions about it, they squashed it. They were, and then one of them was like, oh, his mother's an American citizen, right? Oh, well, that makes him a citizen. Well, that's it. Case closed. Obama's mother is an American citizen, but yet 51% of these jackasses think that he was born in another country or not eligible to run for president. So... It's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that uh, Tommy Lauren got exposed like that is absolutely hilarious. You know, you just got to start slapjacking people with the truth. You know. So now she looks like an idiot because she came from a whole bunch of immigrants who didn't speak English. Just like she's ragging on other people for not speaking English. Now, speaking of immigrants... You know, uh, you know my stance on illegal immigration. For all those who are new to the show, I am, uh, even though my parents are immigrants, I am very anti-illegal immigration. You know, I, I do feel bad when families are separated because of illegal immigration. So if you are an illegal immigrant and you get married and you have uh, kids, your kids are born on American soil, they are citizens. We can't deport them. So if you get caught and you get sent back to your country of origin, whether it be uh, the Congo, whether it be Mexico, whether it be Guatemala, whether it be uh, Germany, you get sent back to your country, we don't send your kids because they're citizens. We can't deport them. And that's sad because sometimes these people have made a life here for decades and then they got to go back. And it's, it's kind of one of those things where I'm going to be very callous. It's like a line in the song, I hurt for you, but not with you. Because when you came to the country, you knew the risks. Now, this whole string of ICE, you know, the, the, the stormtroopers, the goon squads, of them going after these uh, illegal immigrants, it's sickening for one reason. These people uh, have been cooperating with the government for decades. So it's like, yeah, they came illegally, but they came to the government and they were like, look, I'm here illegally. I want to be a citizen. What do I need to do? You know? And yeah, it's a, it's a long, long process. But a lot of these people who they've been sending back over the last few months, they knew ICE knew exactly where they were because they chicken with ICE on a regular basis. So it's not like they did any real detective work to find these people to send them back. They were always there. Because they check in on a regular basis. So the fact that they're sending them back to send a message to other illegal immigrants is absolutely disgusting. But that is the Trump administration. Absolutely disgusting should be like in the, in, in the, like e, plur, the e pluribus unum or whatever it is. It just should just say, you know, the Trump administration on the bottom, absolutely disgusting. Right? But one thing I don't have time for is suckers. Okay? Uh, absolute suckers. So... My thing is this, right? There was an article I saw, and the name of the article was this. 
uh, tricked by the devil. They backed Trump. Now his foreign labor cuts may ruin them. And I'm just like, <laughs> okay, uh, I can't feel sorry for you, man. Okay? I, I just can't. Because it, all it takes is a Google search to find out what Trump is all about. It, it's not like... Um, one dude, he's a, he's a landscaper. He says, I feel like I've been tricked by the devil. I feel so stupid. Uh, he said it, not me. <laughs> so here's the thing. A lot, of, a lot of these businesses, right? I, I will tell you one thing, Blue. One thing where I was in this whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel. You ever hear people say, when they have a job like landscaping or a job like picking fruit or something like that, right? What do they always say about those jobs? They say it's, they're, they're doing work that Americans won't do, right? And I was under the impression that that was not true, that if those jobs paid more money, Americans would do them. I heard a comedian say, and I, and I say this all the time, heard a comedian say, I'm not too proud to pick oranges for a living. I just can't pick oranges for $3 an hour. But I saw an article uh, last summer that went a long way to changing my mind about that because there was uh, farm jobs are usually notoriously low paying. Now farm jobs are paying, especially out in California, they're paying between like 12 and 15 bucks an hour now. And uh, they give you free lodging. Now, granted, some of the accommodations are not great, <laughs> as they mentioned in the article, but the things that were legit was the pay. Um, they got uh, vacation days and vacation days, holidays, and health care. They get benefits. So if I was uh, down on my luck, and let's just say I was 10 years younger, because I don't know if I got the physicality to do a farm job now, but if I was 10 years younger and I was looking for work and that job came up, and, you know, and that pay, free lodgings and all that other stuff, and I'm just like, I might give it a shot, you know. I don't know if I'd stay the whole season, but I'd give it a shot, you know. I don't need their lodgings. I'd just go home. <laughs> but, you know, it's not that bad, you know, for the pay and the benefits, especially the benefits. So a lot of people have jobs that don't pay benefits. If you work in fast food, you don't get benefits unless you're a manager. But they still had trouble finding Americans to, to work at those jobs, even with the higher pay and benefits. So it kind of shattered that whole image in my mind that, yeah, well, maybe there are jobs that Americans don't want to do, you know. But my thing is this. There are uh, work visas that a lot of these companies rely on. And um, hold on, I've got the article right here. The, H, the H-2Bvs, I'll just call them H-2B visas, right? So a lot of small businesses get these visas in order to get enough people to fill jobs, especially during certain seasons. So if you're a farm, you know, during harvest season, you'll get people with, H, with uh, H2B visas to come work for you, right? So, yes, as I mentioned under the Obama administration, they cut back on these visas, right? But with the Trump administration, they really cut back on these visas. So uh, the landscaper guy, uh, Vine, he says that he lost 
a $100,000 account because he didn't have enough men to do the job. So he's worried that next year he'll be out of business because he can't find people to do the work. So in the article, it says uh, cuts in H-2B visas are hurting small businesses across the country that can't find Americans willing to do hard manual labor. Maryland crab processors, Texas shrimp fishermen, and Kentucky landscapers and construction companies. One of them says, we live and die by these visas. So his, his company specializes in home additions, roofs, decks, and garages. He says, last year we about went bankrupt. The workers were supposed to get in in March, and they didn't show up until August because they couldn't get visas. Now, here's my thing, okay? As someone like me who was against illegal immigration, I am 1,000% for work visas because it basically just solves the basic problem. The basic problem is you want to come to the country and work, so now you apply and we give you a visa, and now you can come work. Solved. That's basically if you're one of those, you know, and this proves it's people who are for this, who are for these bans on these visas, you know, protecting quote unquote American jobs, um, just come out and admit that you're a racist because the whole thing about, oh, uh, taking jobs away from Americans is out the window because now these people can't find cats to work these jobs. That's why they're getting these visas in the first place. Because they can't find Americans to do the work. You know? So, it just, that whole myth just goes right out the window. And the funny thing is, is that all the work visas that Trump applied for, he applied for like 60 of them for uh, Mar-a-Lago, he got them. <laughs> Everybody else, they're a, little, they're a little bit of a premium. Okay. But it's hard work. I, I worked construction off and on for about seven years. I, I worked in New York, and uh, when I was a kid, I started out as a teenager. I was like maybe like 15, maybe when I started working construction and back in the 80s. And they paid me uh, $8 an hour which for a 15, 16-year-old is like a million dollars an hour. <laughs> you know, I get a check after taxes. They gave me a check for 250 bucks a week during the summer, you know. So that was a big deal. When I got, when I got old enough to join the union, um, I started, depending on the borough you worked in in New York, you start at 20 bucks an hour as a laborer. As the bottom of the barrel labor, you kick over a trash can, four laborers will come crawling out with shovels in their hands, start digging on the spot. And that starts at $20 an hour in New York. But then again, in New York, they have unions. Very powerful unions. Okay? It's hard work. Mob-controlled unions. Mob-controlled unions. Um, the Bino family and uh, the... Um, you know, all them motherfuckers. Well, put it like this. I've seen, I've seen um, that show on HBO. I forgot the name of it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know how about Sopranos? Yep, that's it. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't say that's fictional, but you know what? 
<laughs> I, I I lived in New York long enough to know <laughs> that is based on a true story, <laughs> pretty much. You know, I'll put it like this. Based on a true story. No, I'll say The Sopranos. I joke about about being based on a true story because, I mean, you know, we grew up listening to the exploits of John Gotti, you know, all over the, the, the Teflon Don, because they couldn't make anything stick, you know. So, yeah, it's not, uh, you know, it may seem kind of cartoonish the way they do it on The Sopranos, but it's not, it's not real, you know. The greatest trick the mob ever pulled was in convince people that he didn't exist. <laughs> but um you figure like but it, it's hard work. There's nothing for a seventeen year old kid, you know, real struggle is pouring asphalt in the middle of August. It's already ninety eight degrees at ten o'clock in the morning and you gotta pour asphalt. The asphalt's like two hundred degrees you're sitting there, you know, doing it with the rake to make it all nice and smooth, and you got your rubber boots on, and you can still feel the heat right through your boots. <laughs> you know, it's back-breaking work, you know, but at least in New York, you get paid well for it, you know. So, and they deserve that pay. You know, you think people want to become coal miners because it's glamorous? You want to you squeeze into the earth's colon and dig for coal? Those were just really well-paying jobs. That's why people did it, you know. But, and if you live in someplace like West Virginia, you know, those were the premier well-paying jobs. But the thing is, you know, backtracking a bit, if you have a work visa and you're, and you're in the country, even if you're not a citizen, you belong here because you got your visa. You applied, and they approved your application, and they gave you a visa for you to come work. I knew when well, I used to work for a company cutting sprinkler pipe, and most of these cats that worked there were Haitians, right? Were Haitian immigrants. You know when people say like, if I miss a paycheck, my kids will starve. That was real talk for these guys. One dude, I never knew his real name. Everybody called him Bobo, just like the guy from the Raisin in the Sun. And um, he had eight kids. Show me a picture. He's got eight. He has a wife and eight kids back in Haiti. At least had. I don't know if he's back in Haiti now. That was like 20 years ago. But um, basically, his paychecks go to feed his eight kids. And if he misses a paycheck, his kids starve. You know? If you can, if you get a visa and come here, do the work. Do the work. I don't care. As far as I'm concerned, in my own conceited way, you're doing it the right way. I got no problems with you. You know? I mean, even like this guy who works this construction job in this article, he pays his people like $17 an hour. That's pretty good money. You know? Only a few dollars less than when the union pays out in New York. Now, granted, when I worked for the union, we're talking about the early 90s. So I don't know how much they pay now. You know, I wouldn't know. But $17 an hour is still good money. And if you can't find people to work for $17 an hour, that you've got to get visas and get people, you know, to come in uh, from other countries, then it's really true. They really are doing the jobs that Americans won't do. 
So you figure somebody like Trump in his eternal racism, you know, is squeezing out these visas. He has to know because he uses these visas for his own business. So it's not like, oh, he only hires only Americans so he doesn't know. He, even now, he gets these work visas for people to work at Mar-a-Lago. So he knows how valuable they are. And for him to restrict more of those visas, to put the squeeze on them, is absolutely ridiculous. But then again, no one can ever accuse Trump of being compassionate or smart or handsome, dashing, good husband, good father. No one can ever accuse Trump of all that stuff. <laughs> Oh man, I, I don't being a jackass. But um, speaking of being a jackass, uh, the Iran deal, right? Let's just be real, Blue. I'm just gonna come right out and say it. How it started? Because Trump's been talking about scrapping that deal since before he became president. That was his campaign thing, to get out the door a horrible deal. Terrible deal, terrible deal. All people vote that stupid. I make the best deals. Fucking jackass. That Iran deal was possibly one of the best deals ever made. John Kerry and Barack Obama and these other countries involved worked their ass off of that thing. Put it like this. I, uh, you figure China and Russia are allies with Iran, and you figure the fact that they co-signed on this deal. That's huge, because they protect Iran whenever they can. Just like North Korea, they protect them. If they were doing something that they felt was not in their best interest, they would never sign off on it. Right? But this all goes to a, a bigger thing, Right? So you figure now Trump pulls out of the Iran deal because he had a, a nightmare that uh, he come home from work and Barack Obama had Melania bent over and just tagging her doggy style. Like that, that's his nightmare, you know. Just fear of Obama's big black dick going up in his wife. So he's just like, look, he just woke up and just decided to scrap the Iran deal. Okay, that wasn't why he did it. <laughs> I'm just being a real asshole today. But it, but there are a lot of other factors in this, right? Scrapping the Iran deal is basically spitting in the face of our allies, okay? We don't have a lot of allies left, thanks to Trump, and he's only been in president for 18 months, and we already have, like, no allies left. Germany is already like, look, we can't rely on the United States military anymore. We got to do this on our own, you know? NATO doesn't rely on us anymore, France doesn't rely on us anymore. They, oh, yeah, Macron will come over and just like, la, 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 but trust me, they're not really relying on the United States like that anymore. Another thing is Trump scrapping the Iran deal just like that on a whim is basically proof that you can't trust America. Because here's the thing, Blue. If you make a deal, right, let's just say uh, – Let's just say I'm Trump, right, and you're Obama, and you make this deal, right? So I come along, oh, I think it's a stupid deal, stupid deal, I'm going to scrap it, right? 
other countries are watching this, and they know, hey, I can make a deal with Blue. We'll shake hands, we'll, we'll sign everything, sign all the papers and everything, and that, and that jackass merciless is going to come up and just scrap the deal. It just means that even if we have another good president who makes deals, they know that the American people are fucking stupid, and they're going to hire another psychopath to be president, and he's just going to undo everything that was done. So who's going to make another peace deal with America? Nobody. Because they're watching Trump just destroy peace deals on a whim. And then his followers are just like, yeah, he should get a Nobel Peace Prize. For what? Peace is in the title of the prize. Peace prize. How do you get a peace prize for ripping up a peace treaty? You fucking inbred hicks. How is that even possible? How does that even make any sense? Peace prize. Peace means no war. Here's why they would shoot me if I was president. Because the first thing I would do is I would close down embassies in Israel, close down embassies in Saudi Arabia, and just be like, look, y'all on your own. We're not selling no more weapons. We're not taking part in any more genocide. Right? Because you figure there's already the war in Syria the proxy war that's going on. There's already the proxy war going on in Yemen between Saudi Arabia and Iran. There's already uh, another war about to start between Palestine and Israel. It wouldn't really be a war. It would be more of a slaughter. They already shot a whole bunch of Palestinians today over the, uh, the opening of the embassy in Jerusalem. And they had Jared and Ivanka. They looked like they were at Mar-a-Lago. Matter of fact, when I saw the picture, I thought they were at Mar-a-Lago. They're just cheesing it up, just so happy. Meanwhile, miles away, people are getting shot to death over this stupid embassy idea. And they were just like, hee, 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 look at us. You know, this is going to be, this is going to be great. If Jared Kushner were here right now, I'd break his fucking nose. That's how much I hate that guy. I know what you're saying. You never met Jared. He might be a nice guy. No, he's not. Don't even kid yourself. But here's something else, right? We're going to go back in time a little bit. You remember the whole deal between uh, Rex Tillerson's uh, ExxonMobil, I think he's ExxonMobil, and Russia, right? There was a huge uh, oil deposit, right? And I thought that this deal was worth billions. No, billions is what they were going to put into it. It'd be worth trillions if they were to get to all that oil. But two things happened. Number one, crippling U.S. sanctions on Russia due to Russia's uh, annexing uh, Crimea. And also, the price of oil dropped. That's one of the things, and when you get a chance, Blue, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver, they did a piece on Venezuela. Watch it when you get a chance. It was actually really good, and there were a lot of facts I didn't know. You know, people always say, oh, socialism doesn't work. It's not about the socialism of Venezuela. It was about the horrible mismanagement by Hugo Chavez. Horrible mismanagement. And also, the bottom dropped out from under him because, you know, Venezuela is very oil-rich, right? But then the price of oil went from like $100 a barrel to like 45 50 bucks a barrel, and because Chavez mismanaged all the money, there was no money in the coffers to pay for anything. 
after the price of oil dropped. You know, and that's one of the things that killed the deal. ExxonMobil officially killed the deal with uh, with the Russian oil companies because of the sanctions, and also because the price of oil dropped so much, it would almost cost more to pull the oil out of the ground than what they would have gotten for it. So that killed the deal. Now, with the uh, with the new sanctions coming about, right? Iranian oil is not going to be able to flow, so guess who's going to come in and fill in that gap? Russia and Saudi Arabia. So now the price of oil is already starting to go up. Price of gas is already starting to go up. So some places have already seen gas go over $3 a gallon. So stocks went up. And they were like, see, see, stocks went up because of Trump. Yeah, but not for good reasons. It went up because the price of oil is going up. So who's going to benefit from these sanctions in Iran? It's going to be Russia and Saudi Arabia. It's not going to be the U.S. Because we're the ones who got to pay for it all as a gallon now to drive around. So it almost seems like everything Trump does benefits Putin in some way. You know, because they couldn't lift the sanctions because Congress would not let Trump lift the sanctions on Russia. The ones that would allow that that would have allowed that ExxonMobil deal to go through. Why do you think that Rex Tillerson was Secretary of State? Because of that deal between ExxonMobil and Russia. Rex Tillerson has like a, a, a civilian award from Russia. He's like a friend of Russia, and he and he was Secretary of State. Why do you think they let him go, Secretary of State? Because after that deal fell through, they didn't need Rex Tillerson anymore. He had no reason to be there. Rex Tillerson being Secretary of State is a downgrade for him. Because he was like a big wig at ExxonMobil. He had more money than Jesus. Now he's going to work a nine-to-five job as Secretary of State? You know you're rich when Secretary of State is a downgrade. Yeah. But the Iran deal is, is an out-and-out disaster. Obama's pissed, John Kerry's pissed, Iran's pissed, everybody's pissed, you know, except for Russia and Saudi Arabia because they're going to make a lot of money off of this. <laughs> you know. But a lot of people get on me because they say that uh, I'm too negative on Trump. And I am. I am very negative on Trump. It, it, they're not lying. <laughs> they're not they're not lying at all. I am very negative on Trump. But Trump overcompensates. For instance, the uh the prisoners that got released from uh North Korea, right? Trump did a photo op with them. You know? But here's the thing. Obama's freed like three times as many people from North Korea. We didn't know about it. You know why? Because he didn't do a photo op with them. Because that's part of his job. That's like going to your dad, hey, dad, guess what? I took out the trash today. The day before trash day, and your dad would be like, get the fuck out of here. You're supposed to take out the trash. You live here. That's part of your job is doing your chores. You think think Obama got extra money for releasing those prisoners from North Korea? You think he got got a bump in his pay for releasing those prisoners from North Korea? That's part of his job. 
and really not even his job. It's the State Department's job. So this whole thing with Trump and his little photo ops is ridiculous. I, I'm going to tell you how desperate they are to give Trump praise. Fox and Friends, you know, basically, you know, a division of the White House. Um, the U.S. military had a, uh, a big victory recently. Uh, about four or five days ago, they managed to capture a whole bunch of high-ranking uh, leaders of ISIS, right? Uh, five senior members of, uh, of ISIS were captured. This was a three-month-long U.S. and Iraqi intelligence operation, right? So Fox News, well, Fox and Friends, you know, uh, Pete Hegseth, or whatever the fuck his name is, you know, and, and he uses Trump's line, the, the rag on the failing New York Times, uh, because he was saying that the New York Times, and this is on Friday, right? So he's saying that the New York Times didn't report on ISIS capturing, I mean, I'm sorry, on the U.S. military capturing these high-ranking ISIS officials. So, you know, he's on there, he's on his newspaper, and he's like, oh, well, I don't see it here. Oh, I guess I'll keep looking. Here's the thing about that, right? Do you know why he didn't find that news in, in Friday's paper? Because it was in Thursday's paper. And they'd already posted it online, on their online paper. So they already posted the day before. Now, I always thought that Fox News just took advantage of stupid people. I didn't realize it was run by stupid people. Do you, you figure... You, you think that no one who worked at Fox News could have told Pete, hey, look, you know, uh, New York Times already reported that like two days ago. So uh, you may have to find something else to talk about. No, they just go out there and do whatever they want to and look like jackasses and then have to turn around. And Or maybe the people who work for them hate them so much, they'd be like, ah, watch this motherfucker fuck himself today. Ah, we'll give him tell this. You know what? That he could have easily looked like himself <laughs> stupid ass. I'm pretty sure if they have female fact checkers, that may not be far off from the truth. Because you know if you're a woman, you probably hate working at Fox News. And like Rape Central. <laughs> I don't know why I called it Rape Central and then laughed because it's not funny. You know. I mean, Roger Ailes was a monster. A fat, bloated, Java the Hutt monster who treated women like garbage. And I don't know why women work at Fox News now. Then I could imagine, because you're kind of like in the middle of it, but like now, if you work for Fox News now, I don't know. I, there's got to be other places to work. You know, like they said in Hollywood Shuffle, there's always work at the post office. <laughs> got to work at Fox News, Sonny. There's got to be other work out there. Far for unemployment, do something. Don't work at Fox News. But you may be right, Blue. They probably, because you can't be Fox News and be that terrible at the news. So, so he picks up today's paper and reads through it and doesn't figure, maybe I should check yesterday's to make sure it wasn't yesterday's paper since this happened a few days earlier, that maybe... Yeah, check it. What if they bow out? You think it would be cowardice to them or stupid of them as a network to bow out of news? Like, that's not every... Like, does CW have a news channel? Like, I mean, does everybody have to do news? Um, I guess they feel they have to do news. I mean, at that time, I mean... I don't know about now. I know Rachel Maddow is kicking ass now, but since Trump became president, but a lot of, I mean, 
that's the problem with news is that with news nowadays it used to just be about news. You know, now it's about profits and ratings and clicks. So that's why they just kind of push this stuff out there, you know, these ridiculous stories and everything like that, because, you know, it used to be, you remember Blue back in the days, right? If you, you had to make it home for 6 o'clock to watch the news, and if you missed the news at 6, you had to wait till 11 o'clock to watch the news. Yeah, you used to, and there'd be stories about cats in the tree and the firemen picking up. Nah, I ain't lying. I was in Connecticut, so we got New York news a lot of the times, and all we saw was murder, 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 rape, 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 molestation, serial killer this, serial killer that. Pretty much. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't rush home for that <laughs> shit. Nah, I was good on that. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, even catching news at 6, you had to catch it at 11. Now it's 24 hours a day, and they compete with each other 24 hours a day. This cat's on the news at 2 a.m. compete with other people at 2 a.m. with news. It's absolutely ridiculous, you know. Even they were talking about the White House Correspondents' Dinner, and they were just saying how uh, the whole White House Correspondents' Dinner is a sham because you're not supposed to be smoozing up to the people who you're supposed to be reporting on. You're supposed to be holding the president and, and his people accountable. You're not supposed to be laughing, telling jokes, and they, what do they call it? Somebody called it the, the nerd prom, you know? That's why they got so mad when uh, Michelle Wolf pulled, their, pulled their, their pants down and pretty much just told them, hey, you know, you created Trump, and you, now you profit off of him, you know? So. But that's about all I had today, Blue. What, what, what are your parting words today? My parting words today is, if you want to make a change, you have to be the change. Oh, I thought you were going to say more. That, that was it. That was it. That's all I had. Oh, okay. Uh, piggybacking off of that, you know, being uh, not being a religious person, I, I would always say about uh, about prayer. I had a friend of mine, his mom passed away a couple of days ago. God rest her, God rest her soul. I, I knew her, you know, she was a fixture in our hometown, you know. She taught in the high school, and everybody, everybody loved her, you know. And that's, even as a non-religious person, that's the part where I will actually pray, you know, that they have the, the strength and the wisdom to get past these horrible times, you know. But as far as things getting better in your community, in your town, in your city, in your state, you know, it's not about getting on your knees and praying and just saying, hey, I hope things get better. It's like Blue said, it's about getting out and making that change happen. You know, join, join a voter drive, you know, knock on some doors, talk to people, you know, let people know, hey, you know, this election's coming up and this is going to be on the ballot. Let them know so, we're in here and this is what yeah. you got to do. You know what I'm saying? You got to do this, this, and this. And you got to be this, be this, and this. And yeah. It ain't no time to be playing with these votes right now. It ain't time to be sitting back on the on the sidelines. It's time to it's time to really start galvanizing your community and getting with the homies and letting them know what's going on, because you ain't you ain't felt nothing yet. But if y'all keep if it keeps going in this direction, y'all gonna really feel this administration. It, it, it already feels like a, a nerve around our necks, and every every day it just gets a little bit tighter and a little bit harder to breathe. You know, all these people that voted uh, for Trump 
are starting to feel the squeeze. And that's basically what we told them was going to happen. That with Trump's policies, you're going to feel it first. We're all going to die. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. We're all, you know, we're all going to die, but we get to watch you die first. And I know that that's morbid, but it's just kind of, it's just the way it is. And we can, we can help fix this. You know, the midterms are in uh, five months. You know, is it five months? Six months. Six months. Today it's May. So six months away is the uh, the midterm elections. You know. So if you're not registered to vote, you still have plenty of time to register to vote. And some people in your uh, state, you may have same day registration. So you may be able to go to your polling place and register to vote, and then vote that same day. So if you have a uh, Every state has a website where you can look at all your polling information, you know, see where you're registered to vote, see where you get to go to vote, and just go ahead and just do that, you know. Like I said, League of Women Voters is an excellent resource if you don't know your candidates to find out a nonpartisan view of the people who you're voting for. So, I mean, prayer is, is great and all in certain situations, but when it comes to your community, uh, it's prayer goes along with action. Like Eddie Griffin said, God don't support soft punks. God supports people who get out there and fight. You know. So, get out there and fight. And uh, that's all I had. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Urban Breakdown podcast featuring hit shows such as Politics, He Said, She Said, 360 Degrees. Thank you and be well.